So we are in a new series here at Charles River called Why, and I'm a why guy. I really am. Like I am, gosh, I just, in my head, that's how I think. I don't want to do anything without knowing why I'm doing it. And what we're going to do here for the next three weeks is look at this word worship, this idea of worship, and kind of ask some why questions. That's why in kind of the planning, we were like, that's got to be the title of the series. Why? We want to look at why we do some of the things that we do when we gather. And so, and, and I love that. I love that. And I was thinking about this even this morning, and I wrote some even hand notes here in my notes about this asking the question why. Why can do some powerful things. It really can. Um, why? The why question, um, it can actually help you prioritize. You know, if you were asking why you're doing the things you're doing, Part of what that can do is really say, hey, is this important or is this not important? Um, the other thing that why can do, and this is where I'm, we're going to kind of just jump in, why, knowing the why behind something can bring life and vitality and purpose to something that may otherwise feel mundane and ritualistic and traditional. I'm going to say that again. Because I think this is why this whole series is going to be important. And today's just one small piece of worship, which is why we sing. But we're going to go the whole scope of worship over the next three weeks. But the why, knowing why you're doing something, can actually bring life, vitality, and purpose to something that otherwise feels mundane and ritualistic and traditional. And that's my own journey with singing, actually. That's why I wanted to kind of start there. I know a lot of you don't know me from anybody. You're like, gosh, we randomly see you on the stage every once in a while singing some songs, and now here you are. My journey is that I was going to school to be a preacher. Um, I was, I'd gone for three years. I was going to Houston Baptist University, so that's why I have the accent. I actually thought Kevin was going to say, don't let the accent fool you. He's not that stupid. That's what I thought he was going to say. Because we just, we have a bad reputation in the South. We say words like y'all, but that's a proper word. But anyways, that's a different argument. So I was going to school to be a preacher. I was trying to be a pastor. That's what I thought my calling was. Because when I surrendered to ministry, that's what I knew. I'm like, if you want to minister to people, you preach. And so I was at my third year of school, and I became a youth pastor at a church. Um, and I was going to get some preaching practice and, and do some things and finish school. And the Lord had different plans. I took my youth group to a conference. Um, long story, but the worship at that conference, the musical worship, I should say, was so powerful. For the first time ever at age like 20, something clicked in my head. And I was like, hey, there's a reason we sing these songs. And can I tell you something? I had grown up in church. I grew up in a great family. My mom and dad loved the Lord, led me to love the Lord. I, I became a believer and started following Jesus at age seven. Great Christian home. Went to church my whole life. And still somehow I still felt like all these years I had missed the reason why we gathered every week and sang these songs. I, was, I just kind of sat there while the singing was going on. And this is cool. And some people like it and some people don't. And all of a sudden, I'm at this conference at age 20, and something clicked. And I'm like, oh, this is it. This is why we sing the songs. Because people are meeting with Jesus. 
And they're not waiting until the preacher gets up to start meeting with Jesus. They're meeting with him now. And the Lord literally called me to be a worship leader that night because the why clicked. It can be powerful, and I think it will be powerful for us. So here's what I want to do. I just want to put some things out there to get us started. Like no matter what, like if you think worship right now is boring or if you think it's a blessing, I think the Lord's going to move today in our hearts. And here's my prayer, and then we'll jump in. My prayer is that this will be some fresh insight to us. And if you're the person, no judgment here, no judgment here. If you're the person that just, man, the music's kind of not for me. It's cool. I'm, I mean, I'm glad. I guess we do it for some reason, and, and that's just for like those types of people that like to do that kind of thing. If that's you, if you're kind of bored during the music, you're like, can we just get to the preaching? Don't we just need to hear the Bible? Don't we just need to study the Bible? Don't we just need to have Bible studies? And that's, that's really all we need. And then we just need to go out and do what the Bible says. And the singing thing, it's kind of give or take, right? If that's you, I am praying. I really am praying that the Lord can give us some fresh insight today and that you will have a new sense of passion to sing to Jesus. And you may be going, you don't know me. That's not me. And I'm going, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit can do a work in your heart. Or if you love singing, you may, you may love singing to Jesus. That may be your favorite part of the service or whatever. I hate to do like favorites. You know, there are no favorites. But that may be a part that you love in the service. And hey, what I'm praying is maybe we can get some fresh insight and put some truth underneath maybe why you love it so much. Like, maybe you don't even understand why you love it so much. Why do I love to sing? Why do I love the music so much? I don't know. I mean, it's just some random guy with an acoustic guitar. It's not even that great. But, it, but I love it. And you're like, dude, maybe we can put some, some meat under that today for you and, and give you some words to articulate why you love it so much. So I want to give us five things to start off with that I think could be potential stumbling blocks or roadblocks or hindrances as we get started. We talk about singing and I think there's probably more, but I think there are five potential roadblocks that may be already up as soon as you hear the word singing. And the first one is this, that these are some misunderstandings, if you want to call them that, about singing to Jesus. Um, you know, singing to Jesus is for people who can sing good. And I don't sing good, so that's just for those people, right? Maybe that's you. Maybe you're sitting out there going, no, 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 dude, if you heard me sing, it might be a distraction from somebody else sitting around me. And so maybe you're, ah, that's just not for me. I don't sing good. The other, another misunderstanding that I hear is that, you know, singing, the singing part of the service, the singing part of going to church, that's just for people that love to sing. Like maybe they're not good at it, but they love it. They love it. Um, and, and so we're kind of debunked that this morning. The third kind of misunderstanding is it's, and this is one of my favorites, and I got to tell you a story about this. It's just for the emotional people. Like, I legitimately have heard that many, many times in my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know that you're passionate, but you're just that kind of person. (laughs) To which I'm like, what exactly is that kind of person, by the way? Um, I will not, we record these, so I will not name the church or anything. It's not in New England, so don't worry about it. But there's a worship leader buddy of mine. I was at a church years ago, and I will never forget this story um, we were just sitting there having lunch one day, and, and he had led for this main service for years at this massive church in the south. And he told me the story. There was a, a couple families who walked up to him one Sunday. He'd been there for four or five years. And uh, they walked up to him one Sunday, and they said, hey, 
no offense, which you know it's about to be good when it starts with no offense. Um, us passive-aggressive Christians here, you know what I'm saying? No offense, but, here we go, no offense, but you probably won't see us in the worship center during the music. And he was like, well, first of all, there's like 3,000 people in here. Even I don't know what that means. Like, am I just losing you in the crowd? And like, we just, we just come for the, the important stuff, is what they told the guy that leads the music. We just come for the important stuff. And he's like, oh, okay. Um, we just don't like all that singing. And he's going, okay, maybe they don't like the style. Maybe it's because there's a drum kit on the stage or something crazy like that. And they're like, no, no. It's, they, they told him, it's just we're not that type of person. We're not those type of people. And, and he's just so confused. And without even knowing it, not even as an offensive thing, Maybe you feel that way. Maybe you're just like, hey, this singing piece of the service, it's just for certain type of people that like all the feelings, and they're artsy, and they're a little more emotional and dramatic than everybody else. And maybe it's just for them. And I think we're going to debunk that this morning. Um, The fourth one is it's about the style. Don't want to get up in your business too much this morning, so we're going to move on from this one pretty quickly. Uh, But I do, I do, I cringe when I hear people, and I'm guilty. I'm the first one to confess Man, I have done this many times and thought this many times. I just can't worship in that church because that style of music they're playing. Hey, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Without trying to be funny, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful about the sentences and the words that we use to talk about things. I can't worship because of a style of music. And I don't want to tip my hand when I'm going to talk about it in just a second, so we'll move on. Fifth one. And this is what maybe somebody, maybe even just one of you came to hear this today. And this is a huge misunderstanding about singing to Jesus and worshiping God is this. I have to clean myself up before I can come in there and I can sing those songs. I can't start singing to God. You don't even know what I did last night. You don't know what my week has been like. I've been a miserable husband. I've been a miserable parent. I blew up at my kids. I've watched some things I shouldn't watch. I've done this. I've done that. I've been there. And I'm not going to just, you think I'm just going to roll up in there to church, sit in that seat and start singing to Jesus? No way. i got to get myself right. And I just want somebody to hear today, that's not the message of the Bible. That's not the gospel. And so we're going to, we've allotted some time at the end tonight for us to spend some time tonight. Oof. I've been up for a long time. It feels like tonight to me. We're gonna, we've allotted some time at the end of the morning to just engage in singing. And maybe for some of you, maybe today's the day you're going to break free of the bondage of that type of thinking that you've got to clean yourself up before you can come to Jesus and sing to Jesus and worship Jesus. And that's what I'm praying. So let's jump in. Uh, first and foremost, why do we sing? Why do we do this thing? Um, and I'm just going to start off with the most foundational truth I can think of is the Bible calls us to praise and sing to the Lord. Okay? So buckle your seatbelts here. We're going to get a lot of scripture. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to kind of give us some summarizations. But there are pictures and moments all through the Bible of the children of Israel singing to Jesus together as a body of people. Okay? So here we go. Exodus chapter 15, Moses and all the people, there you go, not just the certain types, all the people 
sing to God. That's Exodus 15:1. Same chapter, verse 21, Exodus 15, Miriam, the prophetess, Aaron's sister, she gathers all the women, like a little special time of singing. Takes all the women out, and they sing to the Lord and lift up songs of praise. Numbers chapter 21, verse 17. All the children of Israel sing at a well where God provided water for them. And what was their response to God's provision? Singing to the Lord. 2 Samuel 22, by the way, the whole chapter, David sings and he lifts up song of praise after being delivered from all of his enemies, including Saul. Ezra chapter 3 verse 11. Look, the temple hadn't even gotten built. The foundations had gotten laid. They laid the foundations for the temple. And what did the people do? I love what it says. They celebrated with thanksgiving and singing. Nehemiah 12, 27. They dedicated the wall of Jerusalem. And again, they celebrated with thanksgiving and singing. In Romans, Romans is written by a guy that's probably the least likely candidate ever to sing a song. Paul, we know Paul. Paul was like rugged, rough rigid, like you don't probably want to mess with Paul too much. He'd been known for throwing Christians in prison and and helping them get murdered when he was Saul. He's a rough dude. If there's a guy that isn't just going to bust out in song randomly, it's Paul. But he does. Romans 11, which we're going to read in just a minute. Romans 11, he's bust out in this song of praise. So here's just some pictures. And now I want to really come to these these passages that actually call us to sing. And again, this is just to get us started today because I believe that it is huge for you to understand that this singing thing wasn't started by some pastor a few hundred years ago because he just was artsy like that and wanted to sing. It wasn't started by just some certain congregation because they just thought that'd be a good idea. This was not man's doing, how we structured the church service and why we sing together as a people I want you to see that in the scriptures, this is our call. So here we go. Now, these are commands now. These aren't just pictures. Isaiah chapter 12, verses 5 and 6 say, Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Here we go. Here's a command for all of us personality types. Shout and sing for joy. Zechariah 2.10. Here's the command. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold... I come and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. Psalm 30, sing praises to the Lord, you his saints. Psalm 66, shout for joy to God, all the earth, sing the glory of his name. Psalm 68, sing to God, sing praises to his name, lift up a song to him. That's like three times in one verse. That's a little bit repetitive, don't you think, psalmist? I think you had a point to make. Psalm 95, oh come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. And then Psalm 149, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly together of the godly. And then three more, just bear with me. Just so you know, this isn't Old Testament only, Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. James 5.13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him, you probably guessed the word, sing. You got it. 
Ephesians 5, 17 through 19. And we're going to throw this one on the screen because this is going to kind of be our launching point for the rest of the service today. And I love this passage. It says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody to the Lord with your heart. The call from Scripture for you and me to sing to the Lord is sweeping. It is sweeping. And and honestly, when I first started doing all this and getting these verses down, I had like 60 of them. And that was even leaving some out. And I had... I started looking back at the pages. I was scrolling on my computer. I'm going, oh, my gosh, I can't, I can't read all those. So this list that I just read is like a chopped up list from what the Bible even has. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of scriptures about singing to the Lord. The Bible is pretty serious about us singing to Jesus. And I want to make a footnote or side note here again, just in case you're getting nervous. We are not claiming that singing is the way that we worship Jesus. That's going to get talked about a lot, okay? That's not my assignment, though. My assignment is today, since it is one way that we worship God, we want to talk about why we do it. And just again, I start feeling like, it's like, oh my gosh, this guy, we just need to just sing for an hour and a half every day. Why do we even preach, man? Why don't we just sing? So the Bible calls us to sing to the Lord. I love Psalm 107. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So if you are the redeemed of the Lord, which means if your faith is in Christ Jesus, you are called to say so, to say that. And part of that is singing. And so I wanted to maybe just uh, lift up another question this morning and put another layer on why. And I I just want us to spend a few minutes with four kind of big ideas. Why does the Bible call us to sing so much? That's one thing to know the Bible calls us to do it. But I'm that annoying kid, right? Well, why? And then your mom answers you. And then, well, why? And you know this game? Yeah, like, it never ends, ever. You can go and go and go and go and go. And that's me. So, like, okay, that's cool, man. The Bible calls us to sing to the Lord. But I think there are some things we can get out of this if we just dig a little deeper and and keep asking the question, why? Why would the Bible call us to do this? Um... It kind of sounds a little weird, doesn't it? Like God's the one that wrote the Bible. That's what we believe. And so basically it's God saying, sing to me, sing to me, sing to me, praise me, praise me, praise me. And if you uh, have ever heard of a man named C.S. Lewis, he, has a, he had a huge problem with this. C.S. Lewis is known for all kinds of different things. He's kind of like, he's an amazing human being, super intelligent, and he's super artsy at the same time. And wrote books, and was it like a theologian and a scholar and all these types of things. And C.S. Lewis, before he came to faith and even right after, had a huge problem with all the commands in Scripture to praise God. And here's, here's what he said. This is, we're going to come to, we're going to wrap up at the end with a quote from C.S. Lewis. But for now, I just want you to hear what his problem was. He said that all these commands in Scripture to praise God made God look like, and here's where I quote, a vain woman Wanting compliments. No offense, ladies. I guess he only thought women wanted compliments. But uh, 
That's what it seemed like God was to him. Look at what else he said. He says, we all despise the man who demands continued assurance of his own virtue. And we get this. Somebody that walks around and you have to continuously just compliment them and compliment them and compliment them. And you're awesome. You're awesome. Okay, we, yeah, you're awesome. And they're like, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm, no, you are awesome. We get the, like that person will wear you out. And nobody wants to be. And C.S. Lewis, he thought that's what God was like. As he reads the Psalms, and it's like every other verse almost, praise me, praise me, praise me, praise me, sing to me, praise me, tell me how great I am, tell me how awesome I am. And he's like, that, that just doesn't, it makes God look really needy. And C.S. Lewis did not like that view of God. And so um, I just kind of want to lift up today that that's not the answer. God is not needy. Um, there's something else going on here. God is not like a vain woman that needs compliments or a vain man that needs compliments. And, and so four big ideas, okay? One is that why would the Bible command us to sing so much? Is God needy? No, God is worthy. God is not needy, but he's absolutely worthy and deserving of every ounce of praise that you and me can muster out of our bodies. Man. And if we stopped here today, I hope you would just hear this point. Forget what it even does for us, which we're going to get into. But at the root of praising God is because God deserves it. And I just want to take a moment, and if you want to write down these two chapters of Scripture, um, two chapters of Scripture that changed my life are Job chapter 38 and Isaiah chapter 40. And I just want to give us, like, can we just look at God for a minute today? If we're just going to say God is worthy of all praise, and it's okay that He can command us to sing to Him and praise Him because He deserves it, let's just look at Him. Let's just look at them. And these are all from Scripture. Again, Job 38 and Isaiah chapter 40. And I'm just going to just ramble off some of these things about God. And we can just stare at Him and be amazed today. We can worship now as we hear. The heavens declare God's glory above all else. The angels declare God's glory above all else. The living creatures and elders around His throne declare his glory above all else. Creation declares his glory above all else. And it even says if, the, it, like, if they have to, the rocks will cry out to praise God. Why? Because he is worthy. This God created everything that exists and he did it from nothing. He laid the foundations of the earth and he determined all of its measurements. He commands the morning. He tells the ocean waters where to stop. And he measures those same waters in the hollow of his hand. The nations are like a drop from a bucket to God. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings princes and kings to emptiness. He is the everlasting God. He does not get tired. He does not sleep. He has never needed a counselor or a helper. He has never been confused or worried or anxious. He knows how many grains of sand exist on planet earth and how many stars exist in all the galaxies of the universe. And by the way, their names. And lightning bolts, this is maybe my favorite. I ended with this one. I, 
10 years ago, man, this got me. Lightning bolts, they do their job and then report back to God, it says in the book of Job, that they did their job. What kind of power and majesty and sovereignty and greatness is this? That lightning bolts act on his bidding and have to go back and tell him, we did it. This is, this is God. Absolutely God can command praise because he's the only one worthy of it. Paul sang, rightfully so, from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. And, and let's just forget about singing for about 20 seconds. And I just want to say to you today that maybe looking at God, maybe afresh today, will just let you rest. Maybe just hearing who God is again, just let you leave this place today with some peace. So number one, God is not needy, God is worthy. Number two, praising God through singing helps us encourage each other. And some of you are like, man, we just went from like, God, yeah, to like encouraging each other. <laughs> That's where we're going with this. Like, can't I just encourage my, my brother beside me? Like, hey, man, I'm encouraging you. Sweet. Why do I have to sing? So let's look at back at our launch passage, Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to just read it from the screen. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And look at this next phrase, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Look at that phrase, addressing one another in songs. You know, we did this earlier. This was kind of eye-opening for me, this passage. It kind of shaped, it helped shape my view of what worship is because we sing songs, and for years I had been singing some songs and not even realizing what I was doing. So, for example, we sang How Great Is Our God. We were very intentional with that this morning because you realize that you're not singing that to God necessarily. Like, how great is our God? How great is our God? Sing with me. Well, who are you inviting to sing with you? Each other. How great is our God? We sing a song here all the time. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher. Man, this is incredible. And we may not should have told you this because now you may feel awkward. Like you need to look at the person next to you when we sing these songs. You don't. That's okay. And you can still lift your hands. Listen to me. We're still praising God but addressing one another. And the Bible says that there is a power in coming together in community. The Bible makes this crazy connection between being filled with the Spirit of Jesus by being in community, which we'll see. And in that community, part of it, to walk through life and encourage one another is to sing together. Whew. Man, can I just tell you something? I, was at a, I used to go to a church in Sudbury. And there was somebody going through something really, 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 like, horrific in that community. And uh, I was the worship leader. And for about a month, 
I could not get on the stage and lead worship without almost losing it. Because I can see this couple that was going through something horrific singing praises to their God. And can I just tell you something? That would do more powerful things in my heart during those Sundays than the songs we were singing themselves. To watch people that you're walking through life with and you know what they're struggling with and you know what they're going through and you know their celebrations and their failures and their defeats and their struggles and their fears and their worries and you know their life situations to walk through life and then to come together and just to even see those people giving praise to God. Hey, I can't even explain what it does, but it does something powerful. Which is why we're called to do it together. You're not just called to go into your prayer closet every day by yourself. You should have a prayer closet or a prayer room or a prayer spot. You should have that. But you should come to the gathering of the saints or the assembly, as Psalm 149 calls it, and sing to the Lord, addressing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It does profound things. The third one kind of along the same thought process is praising God through singing helps us, helps fill us with His Spirit. So let me make sure we're all good, right? Because we don't, we don't have these on the screen today, which was my fault, not anybody else's. But point one is God is worthy, not needy. Point two is praising God through singing helps us encourage each other. And now we're on point three. Praising God through singing helps Fill us with his spirit. And again, this is why this passage of scripture kind of wrecked me a little bit. Because I'm like, if you would have asked me even three years ago, hey man, I need to be filled with this. I need more of the spirit of Jesus. I'd have been like, hey, go to your house. Get away from everything. Get away from everybody. Don't see another human being for like three days. Find yourself a cabin or a lake or something. And everybody's going, "Uh, I don't know about you, bro. Who has time for that? Who has money for that? Who has a cabin on a lake we can just go to? I don't know. How do I get away from people? And, man, there are times and seasons to pray and fast and be alone with the Lord. But, man, Ephesians 5, let's read it again, just verses 18 and 19. Back to our our passage here. Look at what it says. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he just proceeds to tell us how you get filled with the Spirit by addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Listen to me. For some of us today, I will say this pretty boldly. For some of us, maybe we're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus that we would like to be walking in. Maybe it's because we haven't yet started lifting our voices and singing and giving praise to God. Maybe you're the redeemed of the Lord, but you don't say so. Maybe you don't say so anywhere in any way, shape, or form. Not just in singing. But there is a connection between coming together with other Jesus followers and addressing one another and that helping to fill you with the Holy Spirit of God. And, hey, Chris, how does that actually work? Great question. Why don't we ask God one day when we see him? I don't know the functionality of how you get filled with the Spirit more and how I get filled with but I know it happens. It happens. There is something profound and powerful when we sing to Jesus together. 
And, and I think there's something that you can't get that you need. You can't get it any other way. Again, these are only helps. I want to keep us focused here, right? We're not saying that singing is the only way that you get filled with the Spirit of Jesus. But I believe there is a filling of the Spirit of Jesus that you won't get unless you are singing together with other believers. Because why else would he say that if that wasn't the case? So there's at least a piece of it. A piece of it that you will walk in when you start obeying these commands to praise God in the assembly. Lift your voice with songs together addressing one another. Fourth one. Praising God through singing helps us fix our focus. Praising God through singing helps us fix our focus. We're not going to put this on the screen, but Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Um, I love this passage, great passage of Scripture, um, talking about Jesus. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also... And he gives us two commands. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. So there's one. Lay aside your weights and your sins. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then it tells us how to do that. The next phrase is looking to Jesus. And so today when I'm saying that praising God through singing helps us fix our focus, that's what I'm saying. It helps us get our eyes back on Jesus. And and so I just wrote down some things here. It helps us get our eyes off of our circumstances. It helps us get our eyes off of what I can't do and what he can do. It helps get our eyes off of what I haven't done and what he has done. Singing to Jesus helps us get our eyes off of the darkness that seems to surround us and onto the light that is in the world that overcomes all darkness. Singing to Jesus helps us get our eyes off of who I or others think I am, and it helps us get our eyes onto who I am in Christ. It helps us get our eyes off of our sin and onto our Savior. This will help you fix your focus and fix, you catching it, has a double meaning, like to turn your focus, but also fix a broken focus. Hey, our focus gets broken. For me, sometimes it's Sunday at 3 o'clock, and my focus is broken, and it needs to be fixed. And so singing to Jesus, man, how beautiful is this? We can gather and sing these songs and not give a rip about good voices or vocal cords or any of that stuff because what we're doing is fixing our attention back on our Savior. And how life-giving is that? And I think I lied to everybody. I think I said there were four big ideas. There's one more. And I actually, this is not a communication tactic. I just forgot about the fifth one until I saw it in my notes. So we have one more Some of you are thinking I was being sneaky and trying to communicate well. I I wasn't. So the fifth one is praising God through singing helps complete our joy in God. I'm going to say that again. This is where we're ending here. We're kind of landing this plane. Praising God through singing helps complete our joy in God. 
So you are called, church, and I am called to find my greatest satisfaction and joy in Jesus Christ. That's your calling. Your joy is not supposed to come from an earthly relationship. Your joy is not supposed to come from food. Your joy is not supposed to come from sex. Your joy is not supposed to come from success or from wealth or from anything the world has to offer. A lot of these things are very good gifts that our Father offers to us, but your greatest joy and satisfaction is meant to come in Jesus. And I'm saying that praising God through singing helps complete that joy. So I want to go back to C.S. Lewis here, and we're going to read, I'm just going to prepare you, we're going to read a pretty lengthy quote. This man was a brilliant thinker, okay? And, and I am very thankful for men like him that have gone before us that just have wrestled and wrestled and wrestled with the things of God and given us just gold mines and a wealth sometimes of just information and knowledge and, and wisdom that the Spirit helped them discern. And so I just want to read his words on this. This is the same guy that we said earlier thought that God was like a vain woman asking for praise all the time. Praise me. How awesome am I? Do I look good in this dress? That's not, uh, I shouldn't have gone there. But anyways, um, so I want us to read this quote, and I want you to see the conclusion that C.S. Lewis came to, okay? Let's do this together. The most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or the giving of honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. All enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. Unless shyness or the fear of boring others is deliberately brought in to check it. The world rings with praise. Side note here, you are a worshiper. You are a praiser, if you want to call it that. You do praise. We all praise. And that's why I love this quote. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses. Readers their favorite poet. Walkers praising the countryside. Players praising their favorite game. Praise of weather, wines, dishes, food, basically. Actors, motors, horses, colleagues, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles. I guess those were really popular when he was walking around writing this quote. I've never praised a rare beetle, but whatever. Even sometimes politicians or scholars, we're going to just move on past that to the next slide. Yeah, I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious minds praised the most. And I love this. (laughs) While the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised the least. People that praise a lot are happier is what he's saying, basically. Okay? Except where intolerably adverse circumstances interfere. Praise almost seems to be inner health made audible. I mean, if we could just get, think about that for a second, that is intense and awesome. Praise seems to be inner health made audible. It's coming out. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, here we go, so they spontaneously urge us to join them 
in praising it. And this is what we do. Um, we were in Texas for the past two weeks, my wife and I and some guys from my band, and we were there releasing a CD, and we'll come back to the quote in just a second and finish it. Um, and there's a buddy of mine there that's a pastor, and when we get together, it's almost like people don't really want to hang out with us very much. My wife gets so annoyed when we're hanging out, and his wife gets also so annoyed. And here's why. We can't sit down and have a meal together because here's what we do. We take a bite. Oh, are you kidding me? Do you taste that steak? No, no, no. We're, and this is literally what we do. We're really together going, no, 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 no. That's not real. That's not a real flavor. That's not a real taste. That, who made that? that? I cannot believe that this steak only cost $20 or $10 or whatever it was. Oh, my gosh. Do you, do you taste that? And our wives are sitting there going, you guys are annoying. This is embarrassing, and we're both really, really loud and dramatic people. And so we're telling the whole restaurant, and basically what we're doing is, in, like, I'm, like, praising this steak, and I'm encouraging him to do the same thing. And he's like, no, no, but you didn't taste mine. And I'm like, oh, my, no, mine's better. But, you know, we're going back and forth. I do it with sports. Like, Stephen Curry, anybody? Nobody knows basketball? Okay, anyways, do any of you watch sports? The Celtics aren't good. I'm just going to say, anyways, I shouldn't have said that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Stephen Curry fan right here. So, look, Stephen Curry blowing up the other night, setting records for most three-pointers ever in a game. Like, my joy in that is not complete until I can call my buddy and be like, please tell me you saw Stephen Curry. And here's the question. How awesome is he? How awesome and that question does not need a response. I don't need him to answer. I know what that is. That's a statement. That's not a question. My point is we do this. We praise. And guess what? When we're really excited about it, we urge other people to praise the thing that we're excited about. Let's just finish our quote and bring this thing to a close. He says, I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmist, in telling everyone to praise God, are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. Ouch. And I just, we're going to have some application as we close here. And we'll get to that last sentence in just a second. But what, what a statement. The things that we care about and enjoy, we praise. Now, I do understand that praise doesn't always look like you sitting here singing and shouting at the top of your lungs. I get that. But it's part of it. To come together and praise God and lift our voices up. And so I think the question is, for you as an individual and as a person sitting in Charles River Church today, this morning, is God my greatest joy? Is Jesus my greatest joy? Do I love praising Jesus and urging others to do the same as much as I love praising whatever else it is for me, Stephen Curry or a steak? Is Jesus my greatest joy? Last line of our quote, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy. And here's back to our, our point number five. Because the praise not merely expresses 
the joy, right? It doesn't just tell you, but it completes the enjoyment of it. It is its appointed consummation. So this is what I mean by saying this. Some of you may have, may legitimately have joy in God. And for a slew of different reasons, you just don't, don't care to sing to him, don't care to lift your voice up in praise, don't care to urge others. Maybe, look, it doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. It doesn't mean that. Maybe you're scared or maybe there's circumstances or maybe you have a history or there's baggage or, right, whatever the reason, whatever the reason for some of us today, though, maybe we're not feeling like our joy in, in Jesus is complete because we're missing this piece. And that is, Praise. I'm going to say it again. The praise doesn't just express that you have joy. It helps complete your joy in Jesus. So I just, two closing kind of application points today. Exhortations, encouragements, if you will. I just want to encourage you to make, this is going to sound weird, make singing to Jesus. Make singing to Jesus. Praising God through song. Make it a regular discipline in your life, individually and corporately. Can I just tell you that even individually, we should not rely on songs, but but there are moments and times and seasons in my life because of technology, and I can, you can put worship music in your car, you can put it on, in your headphones, you can, you can have worship music anywhere and have your little worship service. Anointed, powerful, gospel-centered songs have done wonders for my soul. In my car, in my house, walking down the street. Literally, I used to not be able to listen to music at Starbucks. I'd be start crying right in the middle of Starbucks. And people are like, this is a weird dude right here. I don't know what's, that must have been a good cup of coffee. You know what I'm saying? This dude is breaking down. Why? Because the Holy Spirit can meet you anywhere. And technology is not from Satan. It is from God and can be used for the purposes of God. And we have the ability to worship. And I wasn't singing in Starbucks, don't get me wrong. But you can put it on in your car and go for it. You can put it on in your house, your dorm if your roommates aren't there, and you can put it on, and you can go for it. And then make coming together here to sing to Jesus and address one another in songs, make that a priority. And I'm going to give you some very practical things here. One, get here early enough that when we start these songs, this is not a knock if you're walking in late. This is about to sound really bad. I'm just encouraging you. Make singing, make that time a priority get here early enough to where when we kick that first song off, you're not just in the seat, but you are mentally and emotionally and physically ready to engage with Jesus. Prepare your mind even before you get here. Prepare your heart even before you get here. And it's easier said than done. I get that. I get that. Make it a priority. Make it a priority. The other thing I would say is, um, hey, I just, baby steps. Sing out loud. And a lot of you do. Guys, you sounded amazing this morning singing. It's, it's one of the joys of my life to hear congregations sing to Jesus. But maybe more and more, just, just let it go a little bit. 
just let loose a little bit. And again, I know some of you, it's welling up. You're like, oh, no, 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 that's not me. That's not me. That's not me. That's, that's you guys. That's like you guys, like your personality. I get that. I get that. But why don't we just, you know, why don't we inch forward and say, hey, maybe there is, maybe there is something I could get if I would just let it go and praise God and give it what I've got, sing for joy, shout for joy. I'm not saying you have to look like anybody else physically with your hands raised or this or that. No, 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 no. But just let the praise come out. It's there. Let it come out. And then the last application would be make corporate singing a priority that you take seriously. See as you see this as a crucial part of your Christian walk. And that's my last, just kind of the last thing today. I think we could all agree, Scripture Serious part of the Christian life. Hearing sermons, hearing the word preached, yep, we could all agree pretty easily. A really serious, important part of the Christian life. And I would say, why don't we add? There are others that we're going to hear about through this series. But, but I think corporate singing to Jesus actually needs to be held up in that same regard as a very important, crucial part of your walk with Jesus in your Christian life. And so we're going to take some time now and just do that. We're going to put into practice what we have preached. We have preached. And we're going to just sing to Jesus a little bit. And we're not going to drag it out all day. We're going to move into a time of uh, offering and, and worshiping through giving. And then we're just going to stand together and lift our voices to Jesus. And let him do what he said he will do. Amen? Let me pray for us. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for this morning. And I thank you, Father, that you've given us the gift of voices and melodies. And God, there's something profound when we lift these voices up to you. No matter how they sound, no matter where we are in life. And so, Father, I want to pray right now as we're going to sing some songs together for the person who thinks they have to clean themselves up before they sing to you. Or for the person, God, who might think, that's just not me. Or God, for the person today who's sitting in here going, I just don't have joy. Father, maybe, maybe that heart would find the joy it's seeking if they would just start lifting up praise. So God, we give you honor and glory, all of it today in Jesus' name. Amen.